0: Personable. It's always good when you're yeah. like presented as a personable person, right? All right. Episode 69. So. There uh, Favorite number. Good evening. Welcome to episode 69 of the Racing Line podcast. And it's for the first time in a long time that we can say. It's,
1: it's what? You have to speak so <laughs> people can you hear just- you more. What happened there? This had a <laughs> spasm.
0: I'm just excited for race week. So I tried to put goes? a bit of emotion into it. Psst.
2: Too much, too
1: oh, much. That was the fucking weirdest thing I've ever seen. Your microphone muted you
3: for like yeah. two seconds. We didn't hear you're anything. St- you're still muted. Am I? No, no, I
2: you. oh. Your head was just throwing backwards and forwards.
0: Let's start again then. So that really muted me. me, all my emotion. Yeah. All right, okay. so let's start again. So look like a snake bit your dick episode 69 of the racing line podcast first week in 10 weeks or even longer that we can say it's race week for formula one guys we've had a bit of testing this week we'll get into that later on drive to survive has dropped we'll get into that fairly soon we've got um a guest on the podcast little sister uh, and we'll explain what she's doing invading the pod in a moment Um, So welcome Christina, thanks for taking time out of your very busy schedule as a paralegal to chew the fat with the boys, Um, we appreciate it, Um, but before we get into it proper, how are we all going guys?
1: Doing well mate, it's been an easy week to do well to be honest, Mm. race week mate, race week, Christina?
2: Well the week's just started so. yeah.
0: Yeah, who are you, how do you know us? 30 seconds, go.
2: 30 seconds. I'm Christina um, and I'm your little sister. Well, I'm two of your little sisters. And Harry, I'm an acquaintance.
0: <laughs> and why might you, Why do you think you might be on the pod this week?
2: Well, I got a random phone call from Joseph on Friday afternoon saying, you planning on binging Drive to Survive on the weekend? And I said, I don't know why. And he said, well, we need to have more girls on the podcast. So here I no, am, I'm your token see. female.
1: I didn't, a girl I didn't on the
2: say that. podcast. Thanks,
1: thanks. I didn't say we need to have a, a Hey,
3: set so up girl. another laptop, Chuck McKayler and let's go. But it'll all be about Danny Rick. It won't be about anything else. <laughs> she might trigger me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um,
0: okay, so let's get into it proper then. So we're going to talk about a drive to survive tonight. We've been kind of tickling around the issue for the last couple of weeks but haven't really dived into it properly Um. As of yet, because we're waiting for the for the latest season to drop, we kind of spoke fleetingly about some of the issues that they needed to resolve based on their last two seasons. Um, we spoke about the product and how it has affected Formula 1 positively, but also how it um, kind of needs to adjust itself slightly to continue to affect Formula 1 positively. Um, but we've got a season to talk about now. Now, J- Joseph, Harry, you've both watched... All, if not a large majority of it,
1: I have watched five episodes. I've got to say, episodes I didn't watch enough all to, of it. enough
0: to talk about tonight. Christina, how much have you
3: watched? And oh. that's <laughs> all, all right. ten episodes. How many? That's dedication. Many? You've watched yeah, it all. But it
2: was at like one point two five and one point five speed because I, I couldn't do this. That's too fine. much has gone on the weekend.
0: That's all right. I haven't. Um, I haven't watched it, so I'm purely mediating and talking from past experiences. But before we so get you, into, yeah, you can't say nothing. What's happening? I'm telling I'm asking you give it a rating out of 1 to 10. 1 second, go. Harry. 7. Christina. 7. Joseph. 9. Ooh, Oof. so we get an average of 7.75 out of 10. So let's
3: jump into it proper then. Harry. Yes. What did you like? Elaborate. Uh it was Probably the best season bar the first one for me. Um, It was less dramatised than the previous ones. Like I know the fake commentary is annoying for everyone, but there was less of that this year. Um, And I just think the storylines they picked, there were actual storylines throughout the season. They weren't made up ones like the Lando Norris and Danny Rick rivalry back in the day. Like they were actual So for someone who might not have watched the show yet and is interested,
0: uh, might be interested based on what you've said, what are the key storylines that the series
3: follows? Uh, Well, so far there was episode one was like the welcome back kind of episode. Kevin Magnuson's come back, all that sort of stuff. Episode two was the team principal wars. Uh, Joe, Christina, do you remember what episode three was? I think I wrote it down. I know there's been um bring up the order episode
1: five was Haas, episode four was Carlos Saints and Ferrari. Yep. And it's Silver more just C. like one
0: it's like back a bit to season one where it's like one episode about each topic as to like nearly
1: as opposed there's to nearly, rolling. There's nearly been one episode for every team, pretty much now. Okay.
2: Danny Rick um, I like think episode two was about think- Mercedes as opposed to the same principle. So episode three was same yeah. principle. Mm. Right. Yep, I think for me back. I think for me what
1: I've I think what I've liked most about this season for someone who hated the last season, I think I said that outright, is that they've simplified the story. Like Harry said, they've chosen good stories. It's actually surprising because last year's championship was probably one of the best to make mm. a good documentary about because it was so close and they you know really ruined it. And this year's by the end of it, there wasn't many storylines left, but how they've sort of spliced it together. And I mean, I've got three more episodes to go has been, um, I, I th- I've i been thoroughly engaged with it. I think also I forgot, like you, you, you hear so much news. You sort of forget like that. Uh, that uh, things I all doubt. happen in one season. Yeah. But you, you, I, I forgot about this whole Max and Lewis thing, how, you know that last lap of the you know championship was felt so long ago, so they sort of started off the documentary of that, and that was sort of the basis for going into the new season, which I thought was smart. And um, they've given us a bit more Gunter, which everyone likes. They've given um, you know uh, Mick Schumacher a bit of shine as well, which is a I think it's an interesting choice because there would be a lot of young fans who probably don't even know who Michael Schumacher is. So to sort of um, paint him on that sort of with that story, I think is a cool little tidbit that new fans can sort of go look at as well about who his dad was. There was one real cool shot of um, Jos Verstappen, Mike Schumacher and Alan Prost with the kids at go-karting together. I thought that was a really, um a very cool only like three seconds, but for a nerd, I thought mm. that was a real cool little bit of footage. I appreciate it. Yeah, Alan,
0: Alan Prost's son was it Nicholas Prost.
1: I'm not sure, but um it was just a cool it was a cool little snippet. Mm.
0: So if you were someone who say this was your first season, like obviously like, hypothetically, this is your first season of Drive to survive, you haven't been exposed to Formula One. Christina, what kind of um, kind of things do you take away from it? What's going to excite you as just the casual observer watching this season of Drive to Survive with no real um, barometer for what Formula One is, who the drivers are? Does anyone stand out to you as a character in the 2022 edition of Drive to Survive?
2: Um, if you know nothing about the sport or if you've never watched it before, I think you're first going to pick up on kind of the ruthless side of it from the team principal sort of aspect, but also just the way that drivers kind of have like almost musical chairs when it comes to what they call silly season. Um, And I think you're just kind of realizing that there's more to the sport than just car racing Um, and that there's like real politics that are involved. And I think that kind of entices people because it's not just about cars going around a track in a very simplified way. but that um, these are people and they have stories and, you know, things are more intriguing than you might originally expect them to be. So I think that's one thing if you're new coming into it, that's what you're going to notice. But as opposed, sorry. that's One thing
1: I've noticed that is really good is the splicing of footage from the races. I remember last year we we definitely said there was a lot of um, sort of bits and pieces stuck together that were from like different parts of the race and it was like different races. And from different different races. from different times of day as well. Um, whereas this one, it is very seamless. So if you just want to watch it for somewhat the storylines, but more just to see a bit of cool Formula 1 action, they have spliced together some really good little segments of sort of racecraft and and, you know, um, overtakes that just from like a car head would, would appreciate, I think very much so.
0: Well, if you think about what, like, People digest nowadays all the reality TV, all the
1: overly dramatised shows. You're, you're, we, you're our resident expert of these shows. How, would, well, if how, you how do you about what people to measure how it How people it. digest things like people, uh, you know, unless you're the avid
0: fan of Formula One, you're not really going to watch a season review. Uh, someone like myself you know we might watch just like oh what just to remember what happened last season it's just like race highlights and that kind of caper um so i guess from like if to get people into the sport to keep them engaged to keep them coming back there's got to there's got to be that level of drama that level of i don't know uh what word would you use uh, entertainment, entertainment, exactly. That's that's the kind of word that I'm looking for. And where I wanted to go with this, and kind of the idea to get Christina on the on the podcast is we spoke a couple of weeks ago about um, how Drive to Survive brought in this new fan to Formula One, um, how it brought in, for the most part, a whole new demographic also to Formula One, just based on the accessibility of the sport. Through a medium like Netflix, um, and like without trying to sound
1: gay Formula One sex appeal, yeah, hundred percent.
0: Like it, it, it definitely. It was almost it's almost like it's taken Formula One back to the seventies where it was kind of um a very kind of sexy sexualized sport. Um, to a point now, I wouldn't say that it's exactly the same, but without trying to sound sexist, you know, a lot of the women, cousins, female cousins, friends, et cetera, that for the longest time may have had no interest in Formula One at all or, you know, watching cars go around a track.
1: To I just want to interject a for earlier. a second. Can you stop moving your head because you're going to ruin my green screen when I make the videos? Me? Yeah, just keep your head straight, keep your hands down. Thank you, sir.
0: Um, what was I saying? That it brought in a whole new demographic, right? Um, you know, female fans, you know, we kind of spoke about a couple of weeks ago, if for no other reason than because they thought drivers were cute, all of a sudden became interested, all of a sudden started engage, engaging in the social media activities of these drivers, et cetera. So what we wanted to kind of do today was actually unpack that in a little bit more detail. And rather than us hypothesizing about how it engaged people We wanted to kind of get a firsthand experience of that engagement to the point where you've got someone who went from kind of zero to 100 very quickly and then just decided with her sister, you know, we're just going to go to the Grand Prix because we're interested in
1: it now. Where do you you want to start unpacking this virtual Formula 1 lunchbox?
0: I thought we'd just start with asking (laughs) the fairly obvious question like Christina. (laughs) what made you watch Drive to Survive in the first place? Um, And then how did that ignite this passion?
2: I would like to first correct you and say that I started watching Drive to Survive after um, watching like an entire season during lockdown, like the actual sport, and I thought I'd go back in time and I would watch because Drive Survive had been out for about two to three years prior and said so I'd go back in time. And that kind of gave you or gave me um, much more insight into um, a lot of the the drivers themselves and also kind of the the team politics. And so I think it kind of started first from watching the sport as and then going backwards to watching Drive Survive. But I think and that-
0: The first season it- was 2020? Yep. Okay
2: first full season of sport was 2020 and then I went backwards and I think that just kind of first started showing where a lot of the drivers currently in the grid started um when they at least first started the the TV shows like Danny Rick was still in um Red Bull at the time and by the time I started watching he was nearing the end of his Renault um time frame so like
0: so so, so sorry to cut you off but when you started watching it in 2020 then with kind of no understanding of really who the drivers were except for their helmets and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, like what enticed you, what engaged you in that particular time? Because, you know, realistically, the, the rhetoric around that era in the sport was that it was boring, that there was no overtakes. Uh, it was somewhat stale. So
1: what- Can you keep your head straight, was- please? You look like you've got du- just, just I've got look what? Tourette's. <laughs> 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 well, Sorry, Keep going.
2: What was your question, Joe's? Joe's ruined it.
0: I said, "What engaged you in 2020 before you'd actually developed an understanding for the characters, for the drivers? Kind of watched them in their interviews and away from the track. What, what was what made you keep watching races for the whole season? Was it because COVID was essentially was boring co- and it gave it you something COVID. to do?
2: I would say it was COVID. So okay. none of the none of the the family was at home. Essentially, if you were out of the house, there was only like two of us left." And, um, I noticed that Luke, our youngest brother, um, had no one to watch sports with. And so I decided to get a KO account. Um, and I was the person that would wake up with him and dad would then, you know, join in, we'd watch the Mandalorian, then we'd watch the race on Sunday nights. And then I think from that kind of habitual watching of it, um, the excitement for the race to come, the conversations that would occur Cause you didn't really have much to talk about during COVID. So then this kind of became the topic of conversation. And then from then I was like, well, season's ended. I need something to keep me going until the next season starts. So then I decided to jump on to drive to survive and work my way backwards from there.
1: So what That's keeps what you coming back now? That's sort of the, the next question. So you made, think- you made the initial step into the sport. You had like the initial dopamine kick, but what is the thing that keeps you coming back?
2: I'd say it's the dopamine because, you know, you, you, you invest so much time in like even watching the season, I have to invest a lot of time this weekend to watching it. And so I think that when you're watching the entire season of the actual races themselves, um, it's so constant that you kind of, you plan your sleeping schedule around it. So uh, you're investing like that. And then when it comes to drive, survive, you're investing almost 10 hours of your life, watching the, watching the TV series. So you're investing a lot of time in the sport, investing a lot of time in conversation, in you know keeping up to date with whatever articles are being released. Um, social media's played a big role in this as well because now I think the teams have realised the significance of say Instagram, Twitter, um, and in that way you're just constantly being fed information.
0: Which Formula One drivers don't you follow on social media?
2: That I don't follow mice? most of them to be honest. No, <laughs> excuse me. So shallow. Um, I don't follow most of them. Who um you I follow? just I only follow
0: Come on, you know this off you know I this have to
2: think I follow Carlos, I follow Charles, I follow Ferrari, yeah. I follow McLaren, Lando, Danny Rick, Checo. I refuse to follow Max Verstappen on why? principle.
3: Why? Yeah, why? Just because. This
1: is the juice that I really I, I think is, Yeah, I want to know end.
3: why like, this this is, us. Is, is it 2018 Max versus Danny Rick that did it for you?
2: Well, I knew about that because I remember hearing the family talk about it So I think that kind of started the first initial dislike for Max And then, I don't know I think that I was rooting for him so much to beat Hamilton And then he kind of became this person I didn't like Strictly because he was so good And so then on the principle of he was so good I didn't want to follow him
0: The shallowness is insane. Okay. Well, let me talk about Alex Albin.
2: No, I don't, and it's not because George Russell.
0: He's got a lot of no. That's
2: I. I, That's on principle as well. I don't like who he's become either. Why? I felt so sorry for him at Williams, and I felt so happy whenever he got points. And you know, then he joined. Mercedes and I felt happy for him there because it was
1: a step
0: up and then he just became this so,
2: absolute sook.
0: So this is what fascinates me, right? He's very so vanilla. Like, pardon? He's so vanilla. George oh, Russell. that kills
2: me. But this is what
0: fascinates me, right? This is actually the, one of the probably the, the awesome things about Drive to Survive in that you've got – it gives you the capacity to, number one, engage with the dr- – sorry, put my hands down – to engage with the drivers to – develop some kind of empathy for them, some connection to them. But also over time, it also allows you to um, kind of stop feeling that and to have a different opinions about them and to stop barracking for them and all those kind of things as well. So what I'm kind of asking is did, did the um, dislike that you generated for some of these drivers, does that also stem from watching drive, uh, from Drive to Survive? Or is that purely now based on kind of keeping up with the sport through, you know, more traditional means, whether it be, you know, publications or YouTube videos or articles or those kind of things, or social media?
2: Um, I'd say that drive survive hasn't had that effect. If anything, it makes you feel more sympathy for people, um, especially when they're having those like one-on-one with the camera conversations as opposed to. Kind of the track footage, um, sorry, Joe, put my hand up. Um, I would say it's mainly because
0: he's a Nazi man, let it just do what you want.
1: Let's like all be Anthony.
2: <laughs> I'd say it's mainly from the, the consistency of actually watching the sport that kind of makes you no longer feel sympathy for people. Because I could say that in this entire season, you only really saw George, you know, push people off the track maybe once or twice. When it was in reality, like he, he was terrible this season sorry i had a
1: fascinating conversation this week and i sort of just got somewhat drawn into it because i was i was putting on the um f1 testing sessions on the tv at work for no other reason other than i just didn't want to watch anything else and the other fellow doesn't mind watching a bit of formula one and we had a young gentleman come in nice bloke and he was he proceeded to tell me how great um, the seat, like the drive to survive season one was because he was binging it at the time, and I didn't um, I didn't let him know who I was or what my sort of my um hobbies I have a were. on this? Yeah. No, I just I just I just you didn't name drop I just, the podcast on you didn't flex. I on. did nothing. I did nothing. All I said and was, I just, card. He he started talking, and I just I, I was like, "I'm going to use this as a little bit of <laughs> the a, number one
0: <laughs> racing Formula One podcast in Western." Sea. <laughs> In Western
1: Sydney, in Greater Western Sydney, <laughs>
0: by default.
1: <laughs> then you find that there's another one, and we're actually not. That <laughs> um, would actually be very funny. Uh, we should and put out a poll. What is, what is your...
0: And they don't have a logo, but somehow they've still got more downloads.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so I use it as a, so it as a little everybody. bit of. I use it as a little bit of uh what's the word? Uh, like a case study, and I, I just let him talk about it to see like what what were the things about this about the series that was gravi- like what he was gravitating towards, what he enjoyed about it, and a lot a lot of it came down to the fact of the behind the scenes look at what it takes to go racing, um, the sort of pressure of the job mainly for the team principals mm. and how much um, was at stake in terms of like behind every sort of place in the championship, they were sort of the, the three things that he highlighted. And I thought that was very interesting because even from such a base sort of view of the sport, just watching a, new, a Netflix show that is overly dramatized, they were, they were things that he was still bringing back from watching it that had um, sort of resonated through to him, which is three very important components to the sport that, that you sort of a take as a given when you get so engrossed in it, but to take them back from a drama show, I think is probably kudos to the show that that's what he's taking from it. And I'll give them props for that because when you look at it, like us on a fine tooth comb, you're sort of thinking, Oh, you know, why are they going forward four races and back four races? And that didn't play out like that. And they're splicing the footage wrong. That's from a different race. So you look at it like so fine, over it with a fine tooth cone where if you could sort of let someone with fresh eyes have a look at it, they come away with quite a few good insights into how the sport runs. Do you reckon there's anything that Drive to Survive
0: doesn't really address that it should? No. You, you, gotta, you any, Anything else? That well, you what, 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 what do you mean? Like is there anything like that you like, oh, gee, I wish they focused more on this in Drive to Survive?
1: I wouldn't mind them starting at testing, so you see the base, like the baseline of the season. But I've done the same that before time.
3: with Williams. Remember the the Williams car that didn't make it to testing; they did all that. Mm, so I always did. think,
0: like, I know that maybe it's because I'm kind of interested in like a bit of engineering and stuff like that. But I feel like if they had an episode or kind of like if they, it's obviously difficult because. Teams wouldn't want to share the kind of behind the scenes in their factory so much, but I feel like if you they kind of have a few establishing shots of drivers going in during the off season and having a chat in the offices and all that kind of stuff but I reckon if they devoted a little bit of time to what it takes to go racing from like uh from the factory point of view to so that fans could understand like the manpower and hours that it takes to go racing as well like I feel like that would be a fairly effective thing to show. They might only show one, you know, one, focus on one team every year to kind of show that. But it, even so much as to give the people behind the scenes at the factory, because I think Drive to Survive has definitely shown the people behind the scenes at the track who help the team go racing, the, um, you know, everything, um, but if they were able to show those people back at home that were doing the R and D, that were kind of um, doing the prototyping, the testing, showing how quickly that evolution takes place from idea to prototype to finished product, but we've we've showing... always said that
1: we've always said that uh, uh, drug to survive is sort of like the gateway drug, where you just want to sort of put that really high octane, mm-hmm. sexy kind of stuff on the screen for people who are a very baseline fan. You would, I think, like, you could
0: make you, that super engaging
1: though. Yeah, but you look, but then you look at like the stuff that Formula One puts on their YouTube channel for free. They always have those tech talks, like, especially at this time of year when testing's going on, they're dumping on so many tech talks about you know the, what the differences in the cars, going through like sort of um aerodynamic simulations. And yeah, but that's, not what, what
0: I, that's not what that's not what this like, like you're missing yeah, but, the point. Like of the, what, the, I'm talking the purpose,
1: about the people, the purpose of the- Drive to Survive is to make the drivers the heroes of the story or the villains of the story. It's not to highlight, you know, the tech advancements in the sport. No, the that's sport. not what I'm talking about. I'm saying to
0: give the people, like to to show the manpower and the people that from the factory perspective that make it possible to ca- go racing. Do you care about the kit because man at
1: Chelsea? He puts the kits on the on the seats? No, but if
0: it was even just half an episode or something like that where you've got people talking, showing what they do, like you could make it super engaging as well. you've got a crash at testing. How does that piece fly from bloody England to Bahrain in one night in someone's luggage? They're carrying it literally in their overhead. Like all these things happen and we don't even, like there's a story there to show just how insane the sport is and I feel like those people don't get enough. But I,
2: I feel
3: bit like yeah. okay, Christina.
2: Sorry, Harry. You got a little bit of it. Um, I think it was maybe the first or second episode. It was kind of when it might have been the second episode where they were trying to really highlight the fact that Mercedes was struggling with their porpoising issue. And so they kind of went back to the Mercedes HQ. Um, so you got a little bit of what Anthony's talking about, where there's like a very brief, you know, discussion with an engineer. Um which kind of allowed you to kind of see how they're deciding to change like little bits and pieces of the car to make, you know, the porpoising less significant for the drivers. Um, but what you were saying, Anthony, I, I think that maybe one thing I know that the social media um, really pushed this time was, you know, Hannah, the Red Bull strategist, and how she was the reason behind, you know, Max winning all these races. And so I think that maybe if you got like a few segments of the team strategists and even like, Wondering who the strategist is for certain teams that are actually going poorly when they should be going well. Um, that could kind of actually add because to, to the whole drive to survive, you know.
3: Can I um? Thing. You, but, you guys but, mind but if H- I H- segue to- a little bit?
1: Yeah. But H finish his point. Yeah. Oh,
3: sorry, H. Oh yeah. Oh, I was just going to say. I feel like they're kind of catering to the masses and old mate who only jumps on once a year to watch Drive to Survive, isn't isn't that interested in what happens back at the factory? They're more concerned about what's happening at the track. And I think that's where Drafter Survives coming from. Yeah. Us us as regular fans want to see what's happening at the factory. But you know. Yeah, fair. Can I can I segue a little bit? Can I slightly
0: go on a tangent now? And I want to get your opinion. You you boys and girls. Bobbleheads
3: opinion- back. Oh, pardon?
1: Bobbleheads back.
3: Um Daddy Vaughn. All right. So um,
0: we've now seen four seasons of Drive to Survive. Five seasons? What is it? Five seasons? Five, Five. years. So half a decade of drive to, drive to Survive. We've spoken about how the demographic has changed that is now interested in the sport. Spoken about how it's a lot more diverse now, or there's more people from, you know, a multitude of diversities that are now interested in the sport. We've also seen for the first time this year, Joe, you're still on the camera, so that's going to be on your YouTube. Um, Are you on the camera? He's aware. We've also seen how for the first time this year, Formula One has um, started or bought essentially the rights to the W Series. Is that decision in any way related now to more female eyes being on the sport, um, they're, them seeing more relevance to funding, promoting, uh, investing in a female-only category. And when you kind of give your input, Christina, whether you're, you knew about this or not, would a female-only series be something that you're interested in? Um,
1: I want to hear from you. Do you know who Ch- Jamie Chadwick is? That's it. Very me. I think not know. Christina, do you know who Jamie Chadwick is? I think that is a very good baseline I question. Do you know
2: who Jamie Chadwick is? Because she yeah. has come up on my social media page before.
1: What do you know she? how good she is?
2: Not to not to an exclusive, not to a very good extent. To be honest with you, okay. I know she's great because I've read about her, but I, if you ask me, you know what her stats were, I can't give you an answer.
0: This is the thing. She's only great so far because she's gone up against women. And for the first time this year, we're gonna see her. Um no, no, sorry, let me rephrase that because that sounded very wrong. We only know how good she's been. Um we're getting canceled, against, boys. Know, in and a girl. very limited capacity because she's dominated the W series, but the depth of field in the W series is probably lacking. And she's kind of got to this – she's exhausted all her – like she's got no reason to go back to the W Series again. She's in Indy Lights now this year where she's going to be racing against some fairly stiff competition, and we're going to see for the first time um, what she's made of. And that's super exciting because we all think that she's going to be awesome. Um,
1: She's got a killer helmet. But I think – That's that's always a good I think you're missing the most basic question – are you interested, Christina, in watching um motorsport like the W series? Do you know what it is? Does do you have any um interest in using like your free time in it, watching something like that? And if so, why or why not? Because I understand I reckon ball- it's
2: intriguing, to be honest with you, because it's such a you know, I think female sports now is kind of being pushed a lot more into the limelight, especially of sports. Um, And that's not just for like, but that could be also for like women's basketball. Netball's been around for ages, so that's a different story. Is, is um,
1: is 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 this a true fact that women still like watching men's sport? Men will watch men's sport for the competition. I think women also want to watch it for the competition, but also they have that probably primal attraction to the men that they probably don't have for Women. is, is that, I reckon is you're not gonna find
2: fact? yeah, you won't find a young demographic demographic of girls, I reckon, watching um all female sport because like young girls have this like, you know, they fan over specific this could be mass generalization, but they fan over um like the more attractive male, you know, sports players. Um and that's might they you know, might they watch very it. real in Formula
0: One. Might might a young aspiring female go karter be interested in it um
2: well if she's a go karter, like if she's actually invested in the sport then definitely because she wants to see what she can aspire to be but if you're just like a young kid who just started watching it i doubt that you're going to first go towards an all women sport because a it's not spoken about as much so you're actually going towards what you hear and then there's obviously an attraction to it because you know social media now is just buzzing um and then you know that's what you're going to get gripped on you hear about the women's sport afterwards so i've been watching this sport mainly since i was a kid but more in, in a more invested way for the past you know five years three to five years um and only in the past year have i started to become interested in a women's sport sporting category for this do you know um, A well, female series
0: yet. tv show the W series. I've
2: heard of it and I haven't watched it. I don't even know if it's out. To be honest with be like I wouldn't know because I'm not invested in it.
1: Hmm. There you go. There you go. Can we talk about some testing? Yeah. Because not start? that this isn't not that this isn't fun, but I just feel like testing was a lot of fun this week. Um. Well, did you watch any? Well, How I
0: did. Do you know. Well, this is what I this is these are the things that I picked up on. Um, and some of them is fairly obvious, but anyway. Number one, Red Bull look ominous. And number two, Ferrari, um quietly confident about, but I feel like they've kept their powder dry. Mercedes look in a much stronger position than they did last year. I wouldn't say that they're at the level of Red Bull, but it wouldn't surprise me if by four or five races in, they're there. Just like they had a few issues on the first day, but they look good not like they look good.
1: Um, They don't have a, they don't have a porpoising issue that they're going to have to wait, like sort of fix up for half a year. They can, they can develop the car rather than just redesign it.
0: And I think as a, as a fan of the sport, one thing that I love to see from um, the three biggest or the three strongest teams right now in this new formula is that each one of them has a different aero philosophy. So they are all extremely different cars. How Mercedes, like, I'm. Ex- I'm happy that they did, but how they continued to run with that sidepod design this year and kind of even go further and more dramatic with
1: it. Do you think that's? Do you think it's a pride thing?
0: Yeah, but I also think that they are smart people, and it's great. Like, it's amazing. Um, you know, you read a set of rules, and everybody's going to interpret them differently, and it's beautiful to see how, like, those three teams, there is pride. They're not going to copy each other because they want to do it their way. Um, But it's it's beautiful to see them, like, all have totally different philosophies and really achieve, you know, within a quarter of a second of each other. That's so cool. How cool are people?
1: You know what I mean? I think we've got Um, the coolest case study. I want to hear about this on what you guys think. I think we've got a year where we could have the coolest case study we've probably had in a long time because you've got – Aston Martin, who have got, it seems, the pace to challenge the top three. Um, and some are saying pace better than Mercedes, running a Mercedes engine, Mercedes drivetrain, Mercedes gearbox but with, with a, a Red car Wolf that looks car. eerily similar to a Red Bull f- design philosophy. Mm.
3: Mm. So like I got, feel I feel that the top three were sandbagging a little bit though. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm I'm
1: I'm just saying like it, it would from from what and I'm no expert because I am not even uh, <laughs> I'm not even close but from what the experts are saying, looking at the um the race runs that each driver did, and judging that of just pure race pace, obviously it's not a perfect race, but just running, running watching the tire strategy the whole run, it would be Red Bull first second. An Aston Martin ahead of the, the Ferraris in terms of the, just their pure runs. I yeah, they could have that. fooled the taste of I, I, I would. Well, I'm. I'm not saying you are. But I'm also saying you're not an expert. But I'm saying that what the experts are saying is that from the just from the pure race runs, it is the Aston Martin has made massive gains. Mm. It has been on At the protein I, I, all yeah. off season.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we were talking today, Harry and I, and he kind of said, and we'll talk about this a bit later on. Um, But he said, you know, what are going to be some of your dark horse predictions for the season, right? Um, And based on what I saw in testing from Aston Martin, I think, honestly, that Fernando Alonso is going to win a race this year. Imagine the scenes. Fernando Alonso is going to win a race. He's going to get a wet race or he's going to get a race where there's chaos up front. It's always going to happen, and he's going to be there to pick up the pieces because he's going to be Monaco. the best of the rest. Pardon? Uh,
1: 50 bucks. it's Monaco. I
0: don't, it could be Monaco. Uh, I don't know, mate. It could be Azerbaijan. It could be um,
3: Vegas. I don't know. He uh, did say... He did say that Lance Stroll's a potential world champion, so maybe, uh, yeah. maybe Lance oh, you know Stroll will uh,
0: the... One thing that I saw in testing is that if Lance Stroll doesn't pick up his game, Felipe Drugovich is going to be driving that car by the end of the year because he looked very comfortable no, not. in that car. No,
3: no I, when your dad not. owns the team. I, it, there's
0: a bit of sarcasm in that, but he <laughs> but you looked know, you know, very I, I, comfortable in that car.
1: I do think that the performance that Drugovich put on this um, – his pre-season has probably limited Danny Rick's job to the sidelines forever. Because mm. when you see the performance that he put in, he didn't put a foot wrong. And if you And can
0: Sergeant have- and Piastri.
1: I haven't got to that yet, but I'm saying no, just sir. like when you when you look at Dra- Dragovic as a whole, you're gonna be commanding a much smaller salary than eighteen million dollars a season minimum. And you and you know, he he did the job above and beyond, I think, what anyone really expected. Like, that was, I was quite impressed, to be honest.
0: Any, any, um like, like negative surprises? McLaren? McLaren. I don't know if there I mean, was a surprise based on their rhetoric after the launch, to be
1: honest with you. But did you? Did yeah, you, but. Did you expect to see the, the exact problems that, they had last year, no, carry like, over this year?
3: I mean,
0: the same thing I said to you on the chat a couple of days ago, like, yes, I'm underwhelmed, right? Underwhelmed, yes, definitely, based on what we expect from them recently. Um, but like I was saying, if but any team gets 100 laps of testing a day and is able to accumulate 300 laps over three days, while it might be alarming based on some of the issues we saw with the car, I'm not like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. You know what I mean? Like they've still got a hundred. The, l-
1: the difference is a hundred laps every day is the norm, but usually they have four days. So they're usually getting about 400 plus laps. So but i'm still saying still, 100 laps 100 a day laps, you're still 100 laps short of the norm no because a, because the top team did four, the top team did 450
0: most teams did 380 or something like that so they listen they're down but it's not like i think i it's think
2: not, it's not, like not like they're inclined. in a position
0: where they will not be able to like they will not they're not in a position where they need to spend a lot of next week testing
1: no, I, um, I don't I don't think that. But what I'm saying is like when you look at a team like Red Bull who comes out and looks on the pace straight away, if they did three hundred and twenty laps, you'd be like, you know what, they're just happy with everything they've got. They've done their but- shakedowns, they've got the pace. With a team like McLaren that is still some reason lacking front end, it's lacking um it's apparently very twitchy in the corner still, you would probably want to try and run like more laps to try and mitigate, sort of work out exactly where the problem was. and with, i know you the greatest, greatest of class, respect with the greatest of respect No, you don't though. have respect
0: but there's an element of quantity over quality because for example williams ran 390 laps 400 oh. and something laps. okay so you, about- so you so even better so they ran plus 400 laps and yet the experts are still saying based on the eye test
1: that they are the weakest car But no one's expecting them not to be the weakest car. Like they, they still, uh, they're they're Williams. We're not expecting them to be any better. But at least they ran through the whole test. They had no problems. They pumped out a lot of laps. They gave a lot of laps to their
3: rookie. Like that's
1: what you want to do. Yeah,
3: but he might just keep running laps. My concern, besides all that, my concern is that McLaren haven't fixed, well, don't seem to have fixed the issues from last year. Um, that's the major concern i think more than anything like we, we know that they were horrible in bahrain but you'd think that they'd come with a package that would improve their performance in bahrain and i don't understand what they've been doing for the past year if they can't get on top of if mercedes can fix the porpoising issue with a car with no side pods why can't mclaren improve front McLaren- Will be a better car because the base car that they have right now is also
0: very much derived
1: so. from the Red I don't Bull. think that them being better is going to help them because I think everyone else has gotten so much better. Yeah, but they could they could get like ten mm, percent better and they'll still be shit. Can I finish? Can I finish?
0: Three weeks okay, ago, gobblehead. three weeks ago, they came out and said that they are not in a position where the things they've got in the pipeline that was supposed to be ready for this test. Are ready, so i'm assuming that a lot of what they have a lot of what they're working with is not um ideally what they wanted to go racing within round one so given Do you not find rounds, that concerning though um yes i find it concerning but at the same time we knew that this this has been an issue like this is always an issue with mclaren because they don't have a wind tunnel uh, and we're not going to see that is not a reason for them being this far behind. Are you it serious is. right now? It is, it is a reason. It's a very real reason. Um, that will be ready, I think they're saying in two months. So for next year, it's going to be not. An issue. It's somewhat concerning. I will say that. But the first three races of the year is normally when you get most of the anomalies anyway. You have more, um, you know, you have a greater lack. Of, what's what I'm trying to say? Greater reliability issues at this time in the year. If they're just able to maximise the next three races, kind of stay in their lane, get some fortune with other teams having issues, that kind of thing, you know, and just kind of stay with the pack, then by the time they get this update that they're talking about, if it works and if it correlates, then um, not work. They don't have a wind tunnel. Then I think they're going to be okay. To be honest, with you. I, I think they'll be okay. Uh, I think they finish sixth this year. I think we've been too dramatic tough. because but like it, they had a year last year where they regressed somewhat or I wouldn't even say they regressed I just reckon that Ferrari went back into the place they should have been yes Alpine they probably should have been more competitive against Alpine you can say it's the car you can say it's the competitiveness of both their drivers or lack thereof you know we won't go into that today um but I think it's too, way too early in the season to even cast a prediction as to where they're going to finish. I, I guess
3: um, I'm coming from a, from the perspective of Aston is saying, like everyone's saying, Aston's quick already. Yeah. Alpine is going to be quick. Alpine, they're saying the same thing about Alpine that they're saying about um,
0: McLaren. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. No, they're Alpine not. Alpine is still a huge unknown.
1: Yeah, but... Okay, if we just just break it down, like this is the time to make rash decisions and say stupid things. So if, if, and I'm just going to look at it, you know, just purely of of what the experts are saying. You look at Red Bull, they've taken a step forward. You look at Ferrari, if anything, they're just behind Red Bull. And you look at Mercedes, they're still just behind Ferrari. That hasn't changed from last year. If we're then adding Aston Martin to, if not that, at the level of Mercedes, let's say, let's say just behind them. Right. They're not That's, at the level. They're they're going to be obviously behind them. Half a right, second. Well, let's not let's, just behind let's them. Say they'll let's be half let's, a second let's say that the okay, let's say they're behind them. That's now four teams. Mm. Right. Yeah. Alpine, Alpine have come out and said, we've hit all our marks in testing. There is this they they look to be the twitchiest car. In terms of lap time and in terms of race runs, they still look like like they haven't. They they're still quicker than last year, um, and they look they don't look like they're taking a step back. And apparently, they're running high fuel for mo- like extra high fuel for most of their runs. So if we're now injecting m- McLaren there, they're automatically one sort of spot. Back from where they were at the end of last year. And we're not talking about the gains that Sauber look like they've made as well. Cause they look, you know, they had the fastest lap on day two and day three of testing. And they look like a very, you know, competitive car with a good driver lineup as well.
3: Yeah, so- I I guess I'm just saying if McLaren does come with these upgrades, you're saying it's they're saying they haven't got them. The first three races where they're going to lose out on finishing in top five, I think, if the other two teams capitalise on their Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. But
0: you know, last year last year, or you guys, particularly Joseph, in the past you said that McLaren's McLaren are idiots because they overpromise and then they underachieve. And then this year they're very transparent and say, listen, we're not ready yet. We've got some things developed on this car, but it's not what it's not even what we wanted to go testing with. So they're telling you that they underdeveloped right now. And then that's an issue as well. Um, so anything can in the first couple of races. I think if there is a time when you don't need all the upgrades because funny things happen, it's probably now, if there, are, you've also got to take into consideration, you've got a rookie driver anyway. So those races aren't going to be maximized purely based on the learning curve that it takes for them to, or for Piastri to get up to date um, or up to speed. So like as far as, you know, you could also say that Aston Martin, as good as they are, they've got, they're probably going to have Drugovic behind the wheel for the next two races. Um, so that's going to hinder their ability to capture or maximize points. So with all of those things being the said.
1: Formula, the, the current Formula 2 champion. Yeah, yeah, but
0: Piastri-, Piastri-, Piastri is also, you know, a, a F2 champion in the most recent season that he's raced there too. And but I've just said we, that if, he's
1: going to... Talk- well, if we're talking about a current F2 champion, he's in a better car than the He's also, yeah, he's also yeah. a rookie.
0: And the argument could be made that he was the best driver in F2 last year because all the recent competition was gone. And everyone that he was racing against was a rookie in F2 if you wanted to go down those lines. So by default, based on his experience in the category, he should have been the champion. Um, But with all that being said,
1: with all of that
0: being said, (laughs) first couple of races, just be safe. Don't make mistakes. Um, Stay out of trouble. Try to, you know, qualify, maximize qualifying, um, And then we'll go from there because one thing about the McLarens, even though they weren't great race cars last year, they were pretty slippery in a straight line during qualifying and under, you know, low fuel load. So if they can get themselves to ninth and 10th, I think, um, you know, anything can happen. Um, And Ocon and Pierre
3: might just wipe each other out. Hopefully Um, Um, that was a recipe for disaster from the start, but um, I guess I wanted to hear from all of you some predictions for the season. They don't have to be like I've got a couple that, or one that's a bit outlandish, but any any predictions? Can, I, can I ask a question forward? to Christina to begin with?
0: Tina, who wins the battle between the Ferrari drivers this year, and why?
3: Good question.
2: That is a great question, to be honest with you. I think that... Um,
0: don't think it, mate. Just just shoot, not shoot not from the hip. It,
2: but I think that Carlos is like, he's, an, he's a real underdog. And I don't think that people appreciate his ability enough. Um, Charles doesn't have Bonotto this year. However, he is back with his old Aframea principal. So I'm not sure. It could still be in Charles's favour in that way. But I would like to think that... Look, I would like Charles. I would like Carlos to be the person that wins, um, but I think that there's still too much hanging on Charles and his, you know, the length of his contract. So I think he still might win out. That's
0: my that's my that's prediction for that very specifically. Diplomatic response. Um,
1: okay, my I, why- I just thought something pretty funny as well, just to share with everyone. You you were saying who's your dark horse, and there is actually a dark horse in in Formula One because it's Ferrari. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, you're so funny.
1: <laughs> um,
0: Okay. Here's my bold predictions, H. Yep. Fernando to win a race. I said that already. Number two, Logan Sargent, two top tens this year. Number three and final bold prediction, Yuki Tsunoda doesn't see out the year. Uh, yeah, I believe that one. Because if Nick DeVries De comes in and if is, even if he's purely consistency personified, and that's something that he's pretty bloody good at. Um yeah. Yuki out. Especially if Red Bull end up selling out for Tauri. Well, who's racing There's for nothing. Red Bull in Super Formula this year? That's he, isn't he?
1: Who Nick Cassidy?
0: No, nah, no. Nah. What's his name? Mm, I can't think off the top of my head, but they got someone in Super Formula this year. Um, So, yeah. I don't think he sees it out. Joe, give me something. Give me your bold picks of the season. Can we post these on the socials as well?
1: Uh,
0: Come on. Invigorate me, Joe. Invigorate
2: me.
1: I know what I'm gonna say is gonna give you the shits. I think McLaren's gonna come eighth in the constructors.
2: Ooh, I think eight. Eight. They
1: last should purely based
0: on that freaking horrible looking car they've got. You
1: guys,
3: you guys better don't in, realize in
1: you, you don't you guys don't realize you're looking at a person who's watched the downfall of Williams twice. And I've seen the, these these signs. I think I honestly think Zach Brown's at his last year with the team. Because so I don't think they're getting better. And by default if they're not getting better, I think he's gone because I think it's a failure. Um you can look at him laughing. I'm not <laughs> laughing
0: funny. at you. I'm not laughing um, at you. <laughs>
1: um can you share what you're laughing at if you're gonna interrupt my bold predictions? No. Okay. Um I think what you said about Logan Sargent I'm gonna say he's gonna beat Alex Albon in the championship this year. No um, way. No chance. Yeah. No
0: um, way. Not a chance. I think, he's got,
1: I think he's got um I think he's got some real dog in him. And I just think that Alex is I, I'll dude, if if Logan can beat Alex in the championship, it means Williams have had a good season. So let's put, hang it on there. And I also think uh, Mercedes is going to beat um, Ferrari in the in the constructors this year, mm-hmm. and we'll get more wins than Ferrari. How
0: many how many race wins will there be this year that aren't Red Bull? Is it twenty three races? Do we get ten? I reckon you yeah. get. <laughs> this is a good one. How many non Red Bull races? Get-
1: I reckon Red Bull's going to get 13 wins this year.
0: So 10. I'm going to say eight. Okay.
1: Eight non-Red Bull wins. Eight
0: non-Red Bull wins. Harry, how many? Yeah, eight to 10. No, no, have a number. Have a different number to me so that we can put it on the socials. <laughs> Nine. Nine. <laughs> Christina, how many? Be bold.
2: I'm going to go 11.
0: 11?
2: I'm going
0: with 11. I'll go with 11. I like it. You Roll the dice. Don't think twice. And you know what? I think we'll leave it there because next week when we come back with episode – oh, sorry, what were you going to say? I
3: didn't get my predictions. Oh, Christina. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What a, what a, what a, what a grub. <laughs>
0: You're
1: such a jackass.
0: <laughs> come hate to give us your
1: predictions and tell me. He's too busy laughing at something on his phone. He needs to get off yeah. his pod. Um,
0: you've, probably, you've probably been waiting to
3: say this all day. <laughs> Then he gets a big go. fuck you. Let's go. Um, first one, I think Charles takes the championship down to the wire. Oh, not, not with race wins. I think he's consistently finishing on the podium. Hmm. I think Lewis obliterates George. And when I say obliterates, just beats him. What are you That's laughing at? Got to be by more than few. <laughs> what is Joseph laughing at?
0: <laughs> what is he laughing lo- at? I know what I know what you're laughing at, and it's not nothing to do with F1.
3: All right, sorry. I'll tell you about it after Harry. What's his next one? And I think Checo struggles in the first first half of the season. I think the pressure goes on him, mm. and they replace him. I'm not saying it's going to be Dr. I think it will be but it could be Liam Lawson. It could be Nick DeVries if he's consistent in the AlphaTauri. Liam Lawson's in super formula. I do think, and there's whispers of it already, that DR will be in that seat come season then. Mm, I like that a lot.
0: Interesting. Do you know what that means? If DR's back in a Red Bull.
3: He's number two driver. It is, but also means no more ridiculous helmets. Yeah, the uh, 2018 Red Bull helmet was pretty sick. That car sales helmet, man. That light and mm. loose sky blue one. Yeah, that was nice.
0: I'll give you that. That was that was Mamma mia. excellent. Christina, just off the top of your head, any bold predictions for season 2023?
2: See, I thought I was going to be original with my bold prediction about the pressure on Checo, but Harry's already taken that.
0: So, so um, give me another one.
2: Far out. I reckon that. Oh, you know what? Let's just go for it. I reckon that for Ferrari, Carlos is going to beat Charles in the points this year, based on consistency over the past two years. That's not
0: a bold um, prediction, girl.
2: Yeah, it is because everyone's still um, rooting for him. How many everyone's races?
0: How many races will Carlos win this year?
2: I'd One. say. Look, I will say two. I want him to win two. He has. He has potential.
0: That's not bold, I'm going
2: with the Dark Horse underdog.
0: Come on, Tina, go four. Go four, Tina. Say four.
2: No, because that's unreasonable. Go three. (laughs) It's unreasonable.
0: Three out of 11. You said that they are going to be 11 non-Ferrari wins. So Hamilton gets five. I'm rooting on... Russell gets one. Leclerc gets three.
2: At least one win.
0: All right. (laughs) So two wins for Carlos. Two wins for Carlos. All right. I'll give you that. And
2: I reckon that Oscar... We'll put the pressure oh, yeah. give on Give us Lando.
0: an Oscar prediction. Ooh, I like that one. What did you say, Tina? Yeah. Just just Oscar say it again. puts
2: the pressure on Lando.
0: What does that mean? Like, give me give me a metric to base that on.
2: Oh, as in
1: looking for testing, he needs
0: Oscar to
2: be so far behind. Lando in the first half of the season, which is probably unreasonable. Mm-hmm. But let's just, if we're going wild, let's just no do it. way.
0: No way. Can I just, I, I, mean, I think I mean, it's unreasonable. I'll piggyback off you, Tina. We're going I said, big ones. What I said last week has been true for many seasons now. With Lando, second half of the season tail off. So I'm going to say this:
1: from Is that when McLaren stopped bringing up their bringing their upgrades from
3: Silverstone, it's been on, like
1: that since day one. From Silverstone on,
0: Oscar outscores Lando. Is Silverstone like round ten? Something like that. It's a little bit before halfway like, in the season. It's like
2: June, I think.
0: Isn't it the it's race before the, the summer break? Well, Silverstone, Hungry summer break. Around- Is there a summer break this year? With this many races? Yeah, there has to be. Somewhat. from Silverstone on. He's going to
3: outperform Lando. You mean points or out qualify? Points. Points. I think I think Oscar's really consistent, and that could happen. I think he'll still get out qualified, but he'll outrace him mm. Lando's good over one lap he's really good on over one lap mm i i I will concur of that I like that christina that's good 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 job Tina
0: and we'll we have to just say goes. thank you so much for taking an hour out of your life to jump on the pod to chew the fat to tell us a bit about your motorsport story um and to give us some some really tame, bold predictions to finish the night. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah. Thanks.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: And it's for everyone else cover. who's listening, as is always the case to finish the pod, please continue to share, like, subscribe, follow, all of those things to get other people involved as well. Really appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast, everyone who shares the word. Not enough of you sharing it because it hasn't, the pod hasn't been growing over the last couple of months, but staying at 40 downloads. So please keep sharing. But with all of that being said, what a great time of year! The first race of the season's around the corner, and we'll bring you the round number 70 next week with our first review for Formula One 2023. So thank you so much, guys. Have a great night, Harry. Cue that music.
1: Bing, bing, bing. <laughs>